Bonjour, James here. Welcome to another edition of Café de René. And René Dupree, you got a very, very special guest today. It's true, it's true. <laughs> special <laughs> is an understatement. Uh, man, that doing, guys? Known, man that I've known for 20 years and I haven't seen in 16 years, I consider one of the all-time greats, one of the best to ever do it. The man, the myth, the legend, Kurt Angle! Thanks for the introduction, guys. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, Kurt, tell me about your new supplement line, uh, Physically Fit, right? Physically Fit Nutrition. Yeah, we have a, a protein snack out called uh, uh, snack, Smart Snacks Crispy Protein Bites. And they're high protein, low carbohydrate, low fat, 11 different flavors. Uh, we're doing really well with this. You can order them at physicallyfit.com. Uh, you know, you can... Uh, Become a lifetime member and get 20% off forever. Just sign up on the website. Uh, we're doing extremely well with this, and I'm really proud of the product. All right, so I can send you my address, and I get a, a free <laughs> yes. trial, right? I will make sure <laughs> of that, Renee. Don't worry about that. So as long you, as you post still... on social media. <laughs> All right. So are you still in Pittsburgh, man? Yeah, I'm still in Pittsburgh. I never left. Uh, we tried to move to Florida but the pandemic killed us. And uh, what happened was everybody was moving to Florida from New York, California. Nobody wanted to live there anymore. They wanted to live down in Florida. And uh, the prices of housing started going up. It actually more than doubled, which was incredible. And uh, no houses were available. Uh, it's like crazy down there right now. Right, right. So I got to tell this story. So the first time I met Kurt, I think you were you were out with an injury and you were doing the GM role, right? Yep. And my first night on SmackDown, it was a live event in Louisville, Kentucky, and I was working with John Cena. Okay. So we have our match, and John, before the finish, kicked me square in the dick. All right. It hurt so <laughs> bad. I can still, yeah, I can still feel it. So the match finishes, boom, I beeline to the toilet stall just to check out the damage, right? So <laughs> right. as I'm, my, 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 my tights are down, I got my Johnson in my hand. Kurt goes to the <laughs> stall next to me, pops up on the toilet and starts, stares at me, trying to tell me about the match. I'm like, Kurt, I appreciate it, but just give me a minute, man. <laughs> hey, I don't remember that, but I believe it. <laughs> yeah, right? So, yeah, man, like... Um, if any, like, uh, you know, all my friends I grew up with and stuff, uh, they always ask me, like, who, who, who do you feel was the best? And there's two names that come to all three. It was you, Chris, and Eddie. I mean. Thank you, man. That means a lot. To put the me kiss up there with Eddie, because I put them up there as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I remember just, well, because I was still a kid. I was only 20 years old being around you guys. Yeah, you were a young like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, um. What are you up to now, man? You're fully retired from the ring, right? Yeah, yeah. I retired a few years ago and I uh, started a podcast, The Kurt Angle Show, and my supplement company. I started taking acting classes. Um, I just got two reads for uh, a TV show and a movie. Uh, one's Beverly Hills Cop that Eddie Murphy's going to be starring in. Hopefully, I'll get that role. I'll find out this week. And uh, the other one is called The Prey Deep of Pittsburgh. It's actually about an Indian family that moves to Pittsburgh and uh hates it and uh, i'm their neighbor and I, I read for that too so uh me being from pittsburgh helps a little bit so that you know i'm hoping i get that role as well cool cool well 
I have to introduce you to my co-host here. He's James from England. And uh, if there's a Kurt Angle fan out there, it's him. I'm sure he has some questions for you. <laughs> well, I noticed he speaks French, too. Uh, <laughs> oh, just this one, John. That's all. And um, say la vie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, you mentioned movies, Kerr. I watched uh, Warrior the other night. Uh, yeah, badass good. movie. It's so underrated. If Great people film. watch that movie, they would love it. Yeah. And obviously, fellow UK guy, Tom Hardy. What was he like working with? Did you interact with him much uh, behind the scenes? Yeah, yeah. Tom was intense. You know, Tom, uh, he also had to, uh, he had to put on some weight. Uh, him and Joel, uh, yeah. they, they wanted them to be middleweights. And these guys are fairly small. You know, they're like 160 pounds. And they wanted them to beef up to about 180 so they had uh, Tom on this diet. They're just eating everything. Tom was, he, he ate everything like for like five months and he gained too much weight. He actually got a little heavy and they were like, we got to tone it down now. We got to get him to cut the weight. And it, it was crazy. I mean, that, that movie, uh, Joel got injured. Joel Egerton got injured. Uh, he was out for three months. That movie took forever to film. I mean, our yeah. fight scenes lasted probably six to seven months. It was, wow. it was crazy uh, because, you know, Tom wouldn't be available. Then Joel wouldn't be available. And, you know, their stunt doubles were there doing all the stuff, but then we needed them to be there to also do their, their in-ring stuff. And uh, it just took forever. And that movie though, uh, Gavin O'Connor, he directed, he did an incredible job. I was so proud yeah. of that movie. Hey, Kurt, there's something I always wanted to ask you, man. Yeah. Remember the night that Bob Hawley uh, kicked me in the head? <laughs> no, I don't, but I don't doubt it either. <laughs> no, no, you were there. Yeah, you were there. there. You were there. So it was the, the Rochester, New York, right? It was me and Kenzo, and we're tagging against Bob and Charlie, right? Oh, and it was during a match. It wasn't backstage. <laughs> no, no, but no, it, he came, he kicked me in the head, boom, 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 the match finishes, and then I got to the back, and he came from behind and hit me in the back of the head and kicked me two more times, and I remember hearing your voice, and you yelled to get off him. Yeah. I couldn't see because my head was down and my eye was swollen out to here, right? I remember that, yes. Yeah. Yes, I do remember that, so yeah. I, I couldn't see you, but I always want to thank you for, for sticking oh, up for no, me. Oh, no, no, Bob was going crazy on you, man. Yeah, I wanted him you? to stop because you didn't deserve that, brother. I was, I didn't know why he was even doing it. Well, it was over a $15 parking ticket that. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. You didn't pay the ticket. And it was, right. it was his rental car, right? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. a scar forever for that, buddy. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that fucking thing exploded in a fucking airplane, dude. <laughs> Your head yeah, was but... out to here, man. Oh, yeah. No, well, what I want to ask you, did you physically, like, get him off me, or are you just yelling? Yeah, I had to. I reached around his waist and pulled him off you, but I, I had to. Nobody was going to stop him. And right. uh, I, I was like, you know, he's going to kill you. Uh, he attacked yeah. you from behind. You couldn't even defend yourself, and it was just right. – it was crazy. Well, during the match, right, I fed for his comeback, and he lit me up right in the eye, right? And as soon as he did, yeah. my eyes swolled up, like, right I remember away. how big it got. Yeah. Yeah. Then I rolled to the floor, but then he came from behind and hit me in the back of the head with a chair. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. Yes, yes. Yeah. And that's when he yeah. kicked me in the temple. That's he put that's a wall up on you, man. Not just in the match, but afterward, it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, uh, 
We talk about concussions. Did you guys? Did you guys uh, make peace with each other? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing, right? Like when he initially confronted me about the fine, right? I said, yeah. "Man, because I, I totally forgot." I said, "Let me know how much it is. I'll pay you double." Right, okay. but then he went off on this tangent saying that I never offered to pay him whatever, which was all bullshit. Yeah. Wow. So you did. You did agree to pay him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I said, just give me, you know, give me. Well, you know what? He didn't tell anybody. I'm sorry, man. He, he didn't I, tell anybody I, that. What I heard was that you weren't going to pay it, and you no. didn't want to pay. It. Yeah. Oh no, so that's a lot. Yeah, that's that was lot. the rumor going around, brother. That's why you got such a bad name. It's now oh, time to clear your name right now, right here on this. Podcast. Right. All right. Thanks to the All American Kurt Angle. Thanks, Val. <laughs> so let's let's talk about let's talk about your wrestling, man. I mean, uh, nobody I think in history ever caught on as quickly as you did because you broke in what was ninety eight. Yeah, the end of ninety eight. The end of 98, I, I probably trained, I trained two months at the end of 98. And then they had me sitting at home for like three months. And right. I said, Hey, send me somewhere. And they sent me to Memphis. And I started doing uh, work down there at Memphis Championship Wrestling. And Vince decided to bring me up for dark matches twice a week from Ron SmackDown. So I was yeah. in Memphis five days and then Ron SmackDown the other two days a week. And uh, they, they put me on like a six month training regimen where they were trying to prepare me for TV. And to be honest with you, they started me at Survivor Series late 99. I was only wrestling less than a year. And uh, I didn't think I was ready. But Vince thought I was ready or he just told me, you know, what he said to me, he said, listen, I'm going to throw you in the ocean. You're either going to sink or swim. And that's what it was. No it was I had to swim. I had no other choice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's another guy coming in, um, Gable Stevenson. Obviously, you know all about him. And when you first, correct me if I'm wrong, but in your head, when you was going to debut, you was going to be like the big baby face because you was Olympic gold medalist. Right. Obviously, that changed. Now, with Gable Stevenson, obviously, WWE is really behind him and they seem to be, you know, showcasing him at WrestleMania, having him come out and doing things. Do you, can you see a similar situation where the fans are going to kind of turn on and start booing him, similar to yourself, but and ha and going forward again to push them as a heel instead of a baby face? Um, it all depends on how much they use him before he starts. In other words, how many TV appearances he makes. I only made one TV appearance before I started, and that was again that was in my hometown of Pittsburgh. Tiger Ali Singh was in the ring cutting a promo. I beat the crap out of him, and that was the end of the segment. Um, so people didn't really get to know me. It was in my hometown too. And obviously Pittsburgh knew who I was, but nobody else did. Um, Gable will, um, if he's on TV, you know, good six, seven, eight times and people start getting to know him, they could probably push him as a baby face right. uh, because they know he's an Olympic gold medalist. Uh, the fans knew I was an Olympic gold medalist, but they didn't know me because I was never on TV. Right. But if they do that with Gable and they put him on TV enough, He'll end up being a babyface, but I think they should start him as a heel. Yeah. Yeah. So, Kurt, Kurt, this is what I love about Kurt Angle. He's the most <laughs> legit guy on the roster, right? I mean, he, he, legit. He's a fucking Olympic gold medalist. But when it came to doing comedy, and I'm not saying this to kiss your ass. I'm saying because you were one of the funniest guys. Oh, <laughs> one that comes to mind 
Remember, I think it was Bradshaw and Big Show, right? I think they had a match. And then you dressed up like Elmer Fudd. <laughs> you had the toy gun and you shot Big Show in the ass. <laughs> they had me do some of the craziest shit, Renee. Oh, uh, the, the, the thing was, there was no lengths that I would go. I, I wanted to do comedy. And they yeah. knew it. Brian Gewurz, the writer, knew it. And uh, he continued to write for me. And, you know, Vince was getting a little pissed off. He's like, listen... You know, I'm losing this badass, making him goofy and, and funny, and uh, I want to make him more serious. So, uh, you know, after a while, Vince McMahon turned me into the wrestling machine. That's when they had me shave my head and uh, get a little more serious. So that that was Vince's call. He didn't want me to do comedy anymore, even though I did, still did it a little bit, but uh, not as much as I used to. Right, right. Like, if I were to show anybody who never watched pro wrestling before, and they asked me what I do for a living. I said, I'm a pro wrestling. Like, what's that? A match that I would show them was from you and Chris Benoit, Royal Rumble, the singles match. Yeah, that's my favorite match. Oh, really? my God. You know your wrestling, Renee. You know your wrestling. Well, I was there. That match, Jesus. that match was magic, man. Chris oh. and I blew the roof off that joint. That was in Boston. And you know right. what's crazy? When I, when I won the match, Team Angle came and celebrated with me. We left. And then the Boston crowd gave Chris Benoit a standing ovation. Right, yeah. Like, for 15 minutes, and Vince yes. let it go. And it was a pay-per-view. It was like, holy shit, we're wasting time. But right. but Vince wanted fans to recognize that and say, this is one of the greatest matches of all time. It just happened oh, yeah. tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah no, thank no. you, Renee. That, that means a lot to me. Yeah, it's matches like that that make you feel proud to call yourself a professional wrestler. You know what I mean? Without a doubt. So, it, it made yeah. me feel proud. Very proud, yes. Yeah. Like for yeah, me, that, that's that right match had everything. Yeah, that that match is right up there with like Savage and Steamboat. You know. Yeah. And, uh, that's my favorite non-angle match: Savage versus Steamboat at WrestleMania. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It so I put personally as a, as a fan, I put that match right up there. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's my favorite. Yeah. That or Bret Hart Shawn Michaels Iron Man match, even though there wasn't any finish in the one hour, it was pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It was pro wrestling, man. James? Speaking of speaking of Ironman matches, Kurt, you know what I'm going to talk about. I, I watched it again a few nights ago. You Brock. and Brock, 16 minutes. <laughs> what a match! Yeah, yeah, we lit it up, man. That was, you know what? I was so proud of that match because a lot of people didn't think I could go uh, 60 minutes, and Brock, you know, Brock just started like a year prior to that, you know, on TV, and uh, we were both relatively young to the business, and people doubted us that we could. Do, do an incredible Ironman match. And we did it. I mean, we even did less uh, pinfalls than I think was, who was it? Rock and, uh, and uh, Triple H, I believe. They had a, a triple attack match. They had nine falls. We did seven. And uh, I was really proud of that match. And, and the crazy thing is my sister died of a heroin uh, overdose the night before. And I had to decide the last second if I was gonna wrestle or not. And it was a really difficult time in my life to choose. Wow. Yeah. Well, Kurt, I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about it because you just mentioned like addiction and stuff. And I've been mm -hmm. very open with my addictions and my struggles. Uh, and I've heard you on other uh, podcasts and interviews and, you know, you're really open about it, which I think is important because a person like you has so much, you know, fame and stuff. I think it helps other people, you know, admit their, their, their struggles and uh, addictions. So, like, 
at one point, I think I heard you say you were up to like 60 pills a day. Is that right? 65 extra strength Vicodin a day. I was, wow. it was enough to kill a horse. I, I should be dead, Renee. That's right. how much I was thinking. I would wake up in the morning. I would set 20 pills on my, on my counter in the hotel room next to me because I knew I'd be going through withdrawal when I woke up. And yeah. I take those 20 pills from my mouth, chew them up and swallow them. And Jeez. then I was good for the rest of the day. And then uh, I would take a couple to keep me okay from going through withdrawal during the day, but I didn't want to wrestle high. So right. I, I tried to stay away from them until I got done wrestling. And then it was fair game after that. And I just started loading up with painkillers and I would pass out at night. And, uh, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was contacting 12 different doctors every month uh, to, to, to set up um, the pharmacy for um, the prescriptions for 12 different pharmacies. So they couldn't track everything today. Wow. Pharmacies can track each other's pharmacy now. So you can't do yeah. it now, but back right. then they only, only uh, did their, their own pharmacy, like, uh, you know, Walgreens. Uh, if you got, you got a script there, you couldn't get another script from another Walgreens, but right. you know, they're different pharmacies. So I had 12 different doctors, 12 different pharmacies, and they also had a Mexico contact that was sending me 500 pills a month. So I was, I was, uh, I was ordering probably 1400 on the pharmacy and 500 from Mexico. And I was taking 1900 a month. How do you still have a liver? Hey, I don't know how, thank God I'm healthy. I have no idea how, you know, I I did it for, you know, a good two years too. Pretty solid, pretty long time. Because you, I mean, you you re-injured your neck, right? That's how it started. It started with my broken neck. I I broke my neck four times in two and a half years. I had some really bad luck. Um, I broke it in early 2003, came back, won the title again, lost the title to Brock at the Ironman match. Then Brock hit me over the head with a chair a month later and broke my neck again. Then uh, WrestleMania 2004, Eddie Guerrero, that match, I broke my neck there. That was five months after the other broken neck. Um, so, uh, I, then I, I went for a good year and a half till I broke my neck in only 2006. So I broke it four times in WWE and once before the Olympics and five times in total, but that's what started the painkillers and, and continued on because I kept breaking my neck. And, right. and when you, when you take painkillers, you build a tolerance that's and it. then those painkillers don't work anymore. You have to double and then you right. have to triple. And that's yep. what I kept doing. And you know what? It didn't even make me high anymore. It just made me feel normal because, you know, you go through a draw and your, your skin's crawling, you're, you have the shits and you're throwing up and, you know, you, you don't know what to do with yourself. And, you know, uh, going through that, uh, taking the pills made me feel just just normal, not not even high. It just made me feel like I was OK. You know, that that's how bad it was. All right. We're back. Yeah, you have Sorry, man. Uh, you mentioned one thing, Kurt. Do you remember? Because I was a lumberjack. It was a lumberjack match on SmackDown. Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> now remember, he he uh, he couldn't go. Remember. remember? That was yeah. The first... You know what? That, that's when I first realized there was something wrong with Eddie. Exactly. Um, yeah. He, he, you know, there, there were days when he couldn't move. Uh, he would be backstage with a winter jacket on, with a hat on. He was walking around like an old man. Just yeah. some days he was energetic. Hey, I'm Eddie Guerrero. You know, let's have fun. And some yeah. days he wasn't. And it had to be his heart. 
I mean, yeah. there, there was something going on with Eddie and nobody knew. And he, Eddie didn't even know. But that lumberjack match, that was a big sign that there was something oh, seriously wrong with Eddie. Yeah. Because he yeah. could not go. I couldn't get him to go. Uh, he, 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 was, he was holding on the rope. He's like, don't touch me, don't touch me. And I'm like, we, I have to. This is a wrestling match, Eddie. I got, we got to do next spot. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is Eddie Guerrero, the greatest yeah. wrestler of all time. And he can't finish a match. It was crazy. Right. 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 Looking back, right then there, they should have took him to the, to the hospital and got a, like a full body scan x-ray. You know Definitely. what I mean? Because then they Definitely. could have spotted and, and you, you can't blame it on the WWE. I mean, Eddie needs to take the blame because he knew something was wrong with himself and he yeah. just didn't want to find out. I don't think, I mean, I'm not saying Eddie uh, wanted to die on purpose. I'm saying that Eddie just didn't want to take the extra time to find out if something was wrong with him. And I think he should have, he would be alive today if, if we uh, would have done that. And I think a lot of us should have spoken up. Right. Right. Yeah. James, James, you got anything? Yeah. Uh, you're, up to now, uh, your last match against Baron Corbin, WrestleMania. A lot of the online fans, uh, a lot of fans in general, I, I think they was kind of hoping your last match was possibly going to be against Cena or maybe AJ Styles kind of reignite that feud from TNA. Was there any plans on your last match being against anyone else but Corbin or was it always the plan that it was going to be Corbin? Well, when, when I presented to Vince McMahon, I was going to retire after WrestleMania that year. I told him, I knew that I was losing a step. I knew I wasn't the same as I was before. Um, I, I didn't like my performances. And I said, Vince, I want to retire after this WrestleMania. But I, I'd like to ask you for a favor. I'd like you to put me with John Cena because I started his career. I'd like him to end my career. And he said, Kurt, you have a program going on with Baron Corbin. It's been going on for six months. You have to finish it. If you want to wait till next year, I'll give you John Cena next year. I said, Vince, I, I can't wait another year. I got to do it this year. He said, then you're going to have to have Baron Corbin. So I totally understood. It, it, you know, Vince was right. I was doing a program with Baron. It was going five or six months. And it, it, I had to see it through. And, uh, you know, he did give me the option of going another year in wrestling Cena. And I probably should have done that looking back. Um, you know, I probably could have just laid back and not wrestled for a good six or seven or eight months and started getting myself ready. And, and I gained a lot of weight this particular time. And I could have uh, got away from the product and lost my weight and got in better shape and then came back for WrestleMania and Russell John Cena. Uh, but um, it, it was unfortunate. And I'm not going to blame the WWE for, for, for my performances, but, you know, they brought me back. And I told them I wanted to wrestle because I was still wrestling really well at that particular time in 2017. And uh, they said, well, we want to induct you in the Hall of Fame. I said, don't you do that when you retire? They said, yeah, but uh, we're going to induct you anyway. I said, okay, then let me wrestle after that. They said, no, you're going to be the GM of Raw. And I was like, why? That's another job that if you retire from wrestling, you get. Why, why you, you know, and I think the reason is they saw me as a liability. Um, they, they saw the painkiller addiction. They saw uh, me breaking my neck four times. And I think they wanted to ease me into the product and, uh, and, and, and try to uh, save me for myself. Because if I went out there, I would, I would, you know, go to, I killed myself. <laughs> you know, that's right. just how I perform. I'm going to go all out more than I can actually go. 
And yeah. uh, so I, I totally understood why, but it's it, it still, uh, you know, it eats me alive today that that was my retirement match. Is there the possibility you might come back and have one more? Or <laughs> I just had knee replacements, man. Okay, <laughs> I don't think so. I'm just a mark here. I'm just asking what the fans would ask. Hey, I love marks. Don't get me wrong. But you know what? If I do it, 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 it won't be for another year. And, and uh, I, I don't plan on it. Trust me. Fair enough. Uh, well, Kurt. Uh, okay, last question for you. You mentioned his name several times. Vince McMahon retiring. What's your opinion on that? Uh, I, I personally don't think he's fully retired. I think he's nope. still. You know right. it. Right. You know Vince. He's right. going to be behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. Vince yeah. has never gotten go of that company. He he will not let it go until his hands are dead, cold, pride dead, cold hands. He, he's right. not letting go of that company until he dies. And that, yes. that's just it. Uh, you know, I, and I, I'm not trying to cause any problems for WWE or even for Vince McMahon because I love Vince to death but there's just no way he's going to let it go I mean he already set up uh, you know Stephanie being in charge and Triple H being in charge of talent relations he got everybody in the right position so that he could continue to run the show so I'm not trying to tell everybody hey world Vince McMahon's still involved he might not be but I think he is yeah. yeah, I think he might not be physically present, but he's there. <laughs> His eyes are everywhere. Yeah. He's on the phone. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Company, yeah. Call this, call that. <laughs> awesome. Well, Kurt, man, it was so good to see you again after 16 years that I haven't seen you. I know, Renee. I miss you, brother. Yeah. No, I just want to say, like, uh, of all the veterans and all the – you, were, you, Eddie, you – you, you guys were always the coolest, the most helpful, the friendliest. You weren't prima donnas. You were humble. Uh, you are one of the one of the best ever to do it. And uh, physically you, fit nutrition with crispy physically bites. Fit nutrition. Snacks, Crisp smart, crispy protein bites. Yeah. There we go. So for all you bodybuilders out there and fitness enthusiasts, uh, look at Kurt's physique. You can, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> You're not. A, you don't have too bad a physique, too, too, uh, uh, Renee. You're, you're pretty good. <laughs> uh, I'm trying. I'm trying. All right, Kurt, bro. You take All care. All right, guys. Yourself. Thanks, man. Take care. Take bye -bye. care, guys. Talk bye. to you soon.